0: Hi, welcome to the official podcast of the WCD. That's the World Congress of Dermatology, which will be held next in Singapore in 2023. I'm Dr. Etienne Wang from the National Skin Centre of Singapore, and I will be a host for this podcast. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts, and wherever else you get your podcasts. In this podcast, I speak with dermatologists and skin researchers from all over the world to talk about all things dermatology. And now, continuing our season two, my resident co-host, Ellie, is back with another Derm Topic for discussion. Ellie, I hear you have uh, some research of your own that you want to discuss with us today.
1: Yeah, hi, Dr. Etienne. I thought today maybe you could discuss my current research interest, which uh, I know you've also been involved in my study before. So my research topic is on that of discordant symptom burden and severity grading, and we use the acronym DSG for short. Um, and this term has actually two parts to it. The first is that patients may present with symptoms and a subjective disease burden that is disproportionate to the objective body surface area. For example, they may be very symptomatic despite a mild patch of rash, so that is the discordant symptom burden part. And the second part on discordant severity grading is a similar concept where patients may consider their condition to be very severe but to the physician is very minor or vice versa where patients may think their condition is not serious but the physician feels that it's serious.
0: That's quite relevant to our practice because you know, as clinicians, we usually try to rush in everything, and our objective assessment of the patient sometimes doesn't line up with the patient's subjective feeling. Do you have any preliminary data that you can share with us about from your study?
1: Uh, first, just want to address what you mentioned. I think it's very relevant to dermatology, and I think my interest first started when I was becoming very frustrated because I felt that I wasn't addressing some of these patients' um, concerns properly, and I felt such um, consultations where patients and I had a different sense of disease perception. It was very unfulfilling for, I think, both the physician and the patient. So um, we first started off with a qualitative study in which we interviewed uh, patients as well as physicians about what they thought led to uh, symptom burden or how they experienced and perceived their disease severity. So this is when I think I interviewed you about a year ago or so. Yes, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so from the study, from the interviews with patients and physicians, we found that there were quite a few factors that were related to symptom burden. So I think one idea is that of social comparison. For example, as us physicians, we compare severities sort or of relative to the other patients that we see, which tend to be patients with quite severe disease. But for patients, they can only compare it to either their immediate social circle or their previous healthy skin condition. So that's, I think, one reason why the disease perception might be different. Um, And the second reason is that of how we grade severity. So for us as physicians, I think we are very focused, or we're usually focused more on the objective disease severity. For example, the body surface area involved, how thick the plaques are. But to patients, severity is actually a lot more than that. They may grade their emotional and functional uh, impact of the disease more than just the objective area affected.
0: Yeah, that's very insightful. I think a huge part of this is empathy that um, we need to really train ourselves to develop because sometimes a patient, even with a relatively mild condition, I mean, you might you might run a clinic and see a very severe cases of eczema and psoriasis and then someone comes in with a small patch and it can be devastating to them, but in your eyes, it's not very much. And you really have to open your ears to, to see how this is actually affecting the patient. Are there any ways that we can decrease this discordance in um, severity grading?
1: Yeah, so well, definitely, I think... Um there probably are ways to intervene at both the patient's level and at the physician level um, I think you know this would be for future research, which is what I'm aiming towards, but first before getting that, I want to just quantify you know what factors or how strongly the factors are related and which factors are the most important. and then I'm hoping to from there develop interventions targeting the most important factors influencing discordance. But surely, like what you said, you know empathy, being able to feel what the patient is feeling, and um, I think there are also contextual factors, like, for example, how rushed the physician is how many patients a physician has seen, how they're feeling that day, <laughs> yeah.
0: Mm, yeah, and also in the in the basic science field, there's a lot of talk about things like biomarkers and stuff like that. Do you think some sort of biomarker might help in addressing this? Or is that a completely different direction?
1: What do you mean by biomarkers? Like uh, like
0: biomarkers, like, you know, measuring biomarkers to, to determine disease severity.
1: Oh, right, right. I don't know. I mean, so far, the biomarkers that I know, you know, all physicians we try correlate it with objective severity. For example, you know, cancer biomarkers are correlated to disease severity and disease progression and mortality. I'm not really sure people have correlated biomarkers with sort of patient-reported outcome measures, but yeah, surely if there are biomarkers that could uh, correlate to patient-reported outcome measures, that might give you a better assessment of severity in a more holistic sense.
0: I mean, there are a lot of things out there that we haven't measured yet. And, you know, I think a big data approach to this might be quite interesting to, you know, look at the patient from many different angles.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, mean, patients are not lying, right? When they say that they're very, very itchy and all you see is just one small patch of fresh. And maybe there's something behind the physiology that we don't really understand. Maybe the way they perceive symptoms, something biochemical that we just cannot uh, yet uh, understand from
0: just what we see. Yeah, I'll put our finger on. Well, thank yeah. you, Ali. That, that was very interesting. I hope your research goes well. And I can't wait thank to see you. the final published results. Thanks, Etienne. <laughs> okay, thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> and now I'd like to welcome Dr. Tan Kiwei to the podcast. He's the latest head of department in dermatology. He, he has just been appointed, I heard, the head of dermatology at Changi General Hospital. Uh, welcome, Kiwei wei to, to my podcast. Hi, Etienne. Thanks for inviting me. Well, congratulations on your new post. Thank you very much. (laughs) How is it like being a head of a dermatology department? Uh,
2: it's a new experience, something that you do not learn when you're in, you know, in training, and uh, it's definitely lots of uh, extra clinical work that uh, you have to handle.
0: For our listeners, um, a bit of geography. My hospital is mainly in the centre of, of Singapore, whereas um, Changi General Hospital is all the way in the east, near the airport. What is Changi General Hospital Dermatology known for, in your opinion?
2: Next to the uh, airport, I suppose. <laughs> not too <laughs> near, but it's, it's relatively near and. Uh, Lots of good food around us. And uh, I think we are also known as the second biggest dermatology center in Singapore, if I'm not wrong.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And one of your subspecialties is psoriasis and photodermatology, right? Yep, that's right. How would you like to develop that specialty in Changi?
2: We've been uh, seeing a lot of uh, patients who increasingly need to use... um, biologics and biosimilars. So I think there is definitely more scope for such medications to be used. I think increasingly patients are looking for first treatment which gives you the best outcome rather than going through a whole gamut of uh, treatment before getting to a reasonable clinical improvement. So I think uh, There's a lot of scope for biologics, biosimilars to be used and on top of that, I think let's not forget the usual treatments like uh, phototherapy, which I still think has a lot of potential and in certain ways underutilized.
0: And I also, my interest in hair, and I know you have a burgeoning hair department there. Can you tell us a bit about more of your hair service in Changi General Hospital?
2: Yes, um, currently we have a uh, consultant, Dr. Ko Wei Liang, who is um, very interested in hair conditions. He himself, he did uh, a fellowship at the, uh, with uh, Rodney Sinclair he spent some time with him and he's uh, come back with a wealth of experience and he's very eager and interested to, to see hair cases. And he, he's got a dedicated uh, weekly session
0: every Wednesday morning. Oh, Same as ours, Wednesday morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think hair is quite a burgeoning field because I think we have started to realize that there's quite a number of treatments for all the hair diseases, I think, that we are able to tap on. Yeah,
2: indeed. So I think uh, there's a lot of great potential in this whole field and I think uh, a lot of up-and-coming treatments like JAK inhibitors, which I think would be something that we hear a lot about in the future
0: mm-hmm. uh, Do you have that in Chiangin General Hospital?
2: If I'm not wrong the hair clinic they're starting to see a few patients and uh, picking up a few potential cases which can you know be treated using such treatments Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what's the you know outcome like
0: mm, That's great I know one difference between our hair clinics is that we do topical immunotherapy a little bit differently we use DCP in um, NSC and you guys use SAD-B right?
2: Yes you're right SAD-B is acid
0: so I think yeah very, it's very <laughs> historical I don't think many places in the world use SAD-B. do you have any pearls about using sad B because I, I must admit I haven't never used it myself <laughs> Our
2: experience is that it, it works pretty well the the amount of irritation that you get is probably a good indication of uh, how much response that you will get so I think uh, a lot of times we do see patients with a good response after they get uh, you know the um, initial, you know, sensitization, and uh, they start quite low in concentration, but we find that a lot of our patients don't need to go through a very low concentration. I think it's 0.0001% of set B, but uh, a lot of times uh, we can push it on very quickly and they get quite quick response after that. But there are patients who do not respond to set B eventually, then we do send some of our patients to your clinic for consideration of other treatments, including DCP.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think I've sent some patients over to you too.
2: <laughs> yeah, so we do cross you know,
0: cover of patients. Yeah. What are your plans and your hopes for your dermatology department in Changi General Hospital?
2: Well, certainly we are growing as a department, and I think there are certain subspecialties which can be further developed. In terms of uh, hospital inpatient hospital subspecialty, I think the most thing in demand would be things like immunoderm, inpatient dermatology. These will always be you know, there; will always be a demand for it. And I think that you know we'll need people to help to grow this, this uh, subspecialty. But uh, on top of that, there are, there are also a few other growing ones like you mentioned hair. Hair is definitely one that you know is getting more and more attention. The other chronic inflammatory diseases are also you know, something that you know we, we, we want to you know have more expertise. And nowadays people are getting more treatment for oncology problems. So we are seeing oncology-related skin problems, not just from the, the cancer itself, but also from the related oncology treatments. So I think uh,
0: many things to perhaps uh, look into and then develop. Okay. Um, and what are you looking forward most to the WCD coming up next year?
2: I think uh, a lot of us are really looking forward to that. It's been uh, quite a number of years since we've had, uh, you know, uh, a conference. And for myself, I think um, the content, you know, the the conferences, the meetings, if possible, in person conference and meetings would be the best. Right? That's what we're all looking forward to. The networking. Forging new friendships, relationships, and uh, renewing old ones. Correct me if I'm wrong, but um, this should be the first WCD in this region, am I right, Ian? In yes, Southeast yes, Asia, yeah. yeah. So
0: the closest was Australia, I think. But ah, okay, yeah.
2: yeah so it's a fantastic um, opportunity for the local experts um, to have an exchange of ideas among ourselves, and also with the international experts, exchange our clinical experience, and then see what, what might be unique to our region and uh, maybe understand some of the unmet needs of our region. Yeah, so I think definitely lo- looking forward to a great conference, a great experience. I- I'm sure, you know, we'll be more than up to it.
0: And don't forget the courses and all the social events as well. I think that's going to be a highlight of the, of the WCD.
2: Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Looking forward to that.
0: <laughs> okay, thank you very much, UA And uh, congratulations again for your new post. Thank you, Yitian. Thanks for inviting me. Okay, I'll speak to you soon. Hope to see you soon. See you. Okay, bye. Bye. And that was the official podcast of the WCD. Don't forget to follow us on all our socials on Facebook, Instagram at WCD 2023 Singapore and check out our WCD website wcd2023singapore.org for more updates and content on the WCD. And until next time, stay safe and use sunblock.